0: one of the pastors here on staff. Good to be with you this morning. If you're watching online, thanks for joining us online today. And right at the beginning of our time together, uh, Jason mentioned that our lights were kind of getting crazy first service. They were flashing on and off, so we just shut them off this whole time. So if you're wondering, why are we sitting in the dark? It's uh, it's so that the lights aren't distracting you, so hopefully that's okay. Uh, That last song really got me this morning. It hit me first service, and and it hit me again today. That line, you know, come on my soul, don't you be shy in me. Uh, There's days when we wake up and we're kind of shy, Kind of feel a little small, um, a little unable, and uh, I felt that way this morning when I was driving in this morning when I was walking into church. I don't know why, but it's one of those mornings I felt a little shy, and I needed to hear that song that there's a lion inside, and I'm so glad that this is the Spirit of God. You know, if anything good happens this morning, it's not going to be because of me. It's going to be the Spirit of God moving in us and through His Word, and so I'm thankful for that fact this morning. Last fall, my, uh, my oldest came to visit us. Uh, Brenna came to town to visit with us, and uh, it was her, um, I think, her second time in Kansas, but first time was pretty focused on just being at the house. And so, the second time, we wanted to show her around KC a little bit. And her boyfriend came with her, a guy named Logan. They've been dating um, oh, just over a year now. I really like Logan, he's a good guy, and uh, I was glad he could come along. And so, of course, we took him to barbecue, right, because he got to, and uh, took him to the Nelson Atkins Museum, and uh, you know just kind of on the side here, uh, Angela started to say, well, what's, she wanted to do like a deep dive. She wanted to say, what, what's something only in Kansas? You know, what's something we can show them? And she found this place called the Green Dirt Farm. She had a friend, actually, Jessica helped her find it. And uh, it's a sheep farm up in Weston, and they, they're specialized in sheep cheese. And she thought, well, this, this is Kansas. You know, let's go see some sheep cheese and some sheep. Now, again, just to the side here, I got to say, as a dad, when the boyfriends come into town, Right, as a dad, you want to give off a little bit of a vibe. Uh, a little bit of like, a, I'm the man of the house kind of vibe. You know, like it doesn't need to be overwhelming, but you just want there to be something kind of unspoken going on. Uh, whenever, you know, I'm not maybe proud of this, but any interested partner in any of my kids, I want them to know that their father is there to defend them, uh, to be with them, and that he's a little crazy. You know, he's a little, <laughs> little off. Just, you don't know what's going to come, right? So uh, we're we're talking about what can we do? What can we do while they're here in town? And then Angela says, as I'm trying to flex my dad muscle, uh, Angela says, well, how about we take them up for a cheese tasting at a cute little sheep farm up north? And I'm like, oh, man, I was like, I was thinking maybe we'd go tour Arrowhead Stadium or like, I'll go show Logan where I work out, you know, like where I bench press or something like that, you know, let's. Let's, let me do my thing here. But anyway, we ended up at the Green Dirt Farm learning about sheep and sheep cheese, and I found out I don't like sheep cheese. That's one of the things I found out. Um, but we've learned all about sheep. I got a picture here from while we were up there of, of some of the sheep and the, and the safety of the sheep pen there. And uh, we learned a lot about sheep that day, and uh, it, was, it was really a fun day. It was a great thing. to do. If you haven't been there, I just, it was great. It was a fun thing. And we're going to talk about sheep this morning. That's why I bring all this up. We're going to talk about a time when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. If if Jesus is the shepherd, then those who follow him are the sheep. I follow Jesus, so I'm a sheep. I don't always like that idea of being a sheep. You know, not too long ago, there were people saying things like, well, why are you doing that? You're just a sheep, right? It It had a negative kind of connotation to it. It's like they were saying, uh, you're weak and brainless and dumb. Why is, why is it when they call you a sheep, it's like you're weak and brainless and dumb? Well, it's because sheep are weak and brainless and dumb, right? It's a good characterization of sheep. We learned that at the, uh, the green dirt farm there, that, that the sheep need someone watching over them constantly. That They're not in the safety of that sheep pen when they're out in the field. You, you have to have someone there watching them or some dogs alongside them, someone to protect them from getting eaten to keep them from falling into a hole or rolling off a cliff or something. You know, you got to keep an eye on them. In Colorado, I have a friend named Heidi, and she loves traveling. And uh, not too long ago, a few years ago, she traveled all the way over to Morocco. And uh, not many of us have been to Morocco. But while she was there, she came across some shepherds in Morocco, Moroccan shepherds. And that was cool for Heidi because when she grew up, she raised sheep. And uh, she had had her own little flock of sheep. And so she identified with these shepherds. And she took a lot of pictures of them, and she talked to them. And, and learned about their story. And, and so when she came back, she shared some of this with me and brought some pictures. I, w- I just want to share some of those pictures with you today. Here's the first picture of her time in Morocco. And uh, you get an idea of the landscape there that the shepherds are moving in. Now, Morocco is like 3,000 miles from Israel. so it's a, it's a distance, but the topography is very similar to the Middle East. When you think about being out in the, the, sh- the field with the sheep, we, we sometimes might think of like a green Pasture, but this is more like what they would encounter rocky uh, terrain, little tufts of grass popping up here and there. And and this is one of the reasons why the sheep need the shepherd because he keeps them moving along. Because the sheep will come to a tuft of grass and eat it down to the dirt, and they'll just keep eating the dirt until their stomach fills up with dirt and then they fall over and die, right? Uh, Brainless. So the shepherd has to keep moving them along and make sure that they stay, uh, keep eating the fresh grass. You see behind them a little bit of a cliff there. It's like a little 20-foot kind of cliff. Uh, Sheep, again, they'll follow single file. They'll follow the sheep in front of them. And so if that one goes over the cliff, the next one's going over the cliff and the next one's going over the cliff. The shepherd needs to be with them to guide them down safely into the pastures, into safer places. Uh, Next picture here, a little bit more of the terrain you can kind of see in this picture. Dry, desolate valleys and mountains. And then every so often on the bottom right there, there's a little bit of green. You know, every so often there's some green areas where the sheep can be. Again, this is a lot like what you'll find in Israel. And what it means is that the shepherds have to be committed to the sheep. They have to stay close to the sheep. They've got to watch over the sheep. Stay focused on the welfare of the sheep. Some might even say that they should love the sheep. One more picture here. This is one of my favorites of the, the shepherds themselves. You kind of get an idea of what they're wearing. They've got, they, they have a staff, you know, in their hand. They've got bags on their backs with everything they need to stay out all day long with these sheep in the, in the pasture there. Again, it doesn't look like a pasture when I think of a pasture, but this is where they're walking with the sheep out in the wild. My friend Heidi told me that one of these shepherds, you can't see it in the picture here, but he's holding a little lamb in his arms. And it was a a lamb that was born really small, about two weeks old. And she said that uh, it couldn't keep up with the mom. It couldn't keep up with the other baby lambs. And so it wasn't getting the milk that it needed. So the shepherd was holding him and feeding him milk from a bottle and and stroking his back as they were walking along. And it, it makes me think of the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament when he says, God tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Heidi said when she saw that little lamb, she got emotional about it because it took her back to when she had little lambs and she was doing the same thing. It reminded her of this intimacy that we have with our Father God. These shepherds care for the sheep. And they told her that they know each one of their sheep by name, they know uh, the sound that the sheep makes. So if they're on one side of the pasture and the sheep calls out from the other side, they know which sheep's in trouble. They know kind of the special needs and extra attention sheep. They know the colors of their wool. They know as they're walking the movements of their bodies, which sheep is which by just based on their gait as they walk, they'll know if one of the sheep are missing. And I was talking to Heidi about this. I'm like, why do they know all this? I'm at these dumb brainless animals. Why Why do they know all this about the sheep? And she said, well, Nate, it's because obviously they're good shepherds. That's why they know. They know about their sheep. We're going to talk about the Good Shepherd this morning. I want to invite you to take your Bible and open up to John chapter 10. John in the New Testament, fourth book, chapter 10. We've been looking through John these last few weeks where Jesus said, I am. He said, I am the the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the gate. This morning, he says, "I I am the Good Shepherd just to remind you, back in, in John chapter 9, Jesus had given sight to a man who was born blind. And instead of throwing a party, the religious leaders of the day formed an investigative tribunal to criticize Jesus for the way he healed this man. He said, you're healing him in the wrong way, Jesus. So Jesus told him a story about sheep and shepherds as a way of saying, you know, shepherds, they don't take off the holy day. Shepherds don't punch out and leave and come back later hoping that the sheep are okay. They stay with the sheep. He says, I'm I'm a good shepherd that way. So look at John 10, verse 11. We're going to read verse 11 through 16. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. Jesus talks about this hired hand and compares him to the good shepherd. And the hired hand is just there for the money, doesn't care about the sheep. As soon as danger shows up, he runs away and abandons the sheep. But the shepherd is different. He searches for the lost sheep. He lays his life down for the sheep. He knows his sheep and rejoices when they are with him. Often people think about God as as far off and distant as busy with other more important things in this world than my life or the things that I'm going through. We think about religion as doctrine that we're supposed to believe or rules that we're supposed to follow. But God, as revealed by Jesus, is interested in a personal relationship, in an intimacy. He wants to know you and he wants you to know him. And Jesus uses this image of a shepherd caring for his sheep. And those listening would know all about these shepherds and these sheep because they were all around them. The religious leaders that were there to shame Jesus, the people amazed at his power, his disciples that were there to follow him, they would have all understood this image of a shepherd and his sheep. Over 500 times, the Bible talks about sheep and shepherds, more than any other animal. The Bible talks about cattle about 130 times, dogs about 40 times, eagles about 25 times, but sheep and shepherds over 500 times, a lot. You know how many times the Bible talks about cats? (laughs) Zero, zero times. I'll let you make your own decisions about what that says about cats. This is the first time, I mean, the first time we see God compared to a shepherd is in the first book of the Bible. Genesis, right at the beginning, Jacob, who is the grandson of Abraham, the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. He's uh, with his grandsons near the end of his life, and he's blessing his grandsons. And as he's blessing them, he says this. This is Genesis 48. Genesis 48. Jacob says, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day. May he bless you in this way or that way. And he begins to bless his grandsons individually. But he says, the God who has been my shepherd all of my life. This is Jacob who was later renamed Israel because he just fought with God all the time. This relationship with his God. He says, it's like a sheep with his shepherd. Now, he could have used any image he wants to here. Could have any, any kind of comparison for his grandkids to understand how he saw God. He could have said, you know, God is my father and I am his son. God is uh, my uh, farmer and I am the harvest. God is the king and I am his servant. God is the chef and I'm the sheep cheese, you know, getting ready to go into the meal. But Jacob says, the Lord is my shepherd and I am his sheep. A lot of people think King David who wrote Psalm 23, was the first one to talk about this, but it was actually Jacob, but both of them were shepherds. Both of them knew what it meant to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Jacob had been a shepherd for his uncle Laban for 20 years. So he knows when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, he's saying, the Lord is watching over me. The Lord is guiding me. The Lord is protecting me. He speaks to me. He calms me down. He is with me no matter what I face. And I think it's interesting that Jacob would say, the Lord is my shepherd, because when you know his life, when you look at the life Jacob lived, he didn't have an easy life, He had difficulty in his life. Almost every year brought some new hardship for him. His family was splintered. He had a deceptive uncle. He struggled as a father. He watched his sons fight and abuse each other. Towards the end of his life, his homeland was taken away from him. And in this passage in Genesis 48, he's blind and near death. And still he says, God was there guiding me all the way. It's like my shepherd. Those are the words of a man of faith, a person of faith, who knows that God is with him. He knows God in a personal way. God is my shepherd. Your shepherd is is really whatever you look to for guidance. Whatever you put your trust in. Who is your shepherd? What do you look to when your days are not going the way you hoped they would go? Who do you put your trust in? Your job might be your shepherd. It gives you purpose. It gives you, you know, helps provide for your living. Your savings account might be your shepherd. You've got a tough financial season going on. You know you've got something saved up. What other people think about you might be your shepherd and the fact that you're accepted and you belong because they like you. Shepherd could be a relationship that you care about or a, an addiction in your life or, or even a success that you're working toward. And instead, David and Jacob, they say, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. You can put your trust in me. You can find your meaning and your hope and your strength in a very real, a very tangible relationship with the God of the universe. No matter what your day feels like, no matter what you go through, he is with you every step of the way. And Jesus uses this image to describe our connection to our God, and it tells us something very important about God. That God is not neutral about you. God doesn't look at your life and the hardships that you face and and shrug his huge holy shoulders and be like, well, I guess that's the way it's going. He's not indifferent towards you. He's not neutral. God loves you. He cares about what you're facing and what you're going through. He is alongside you. He is your shepherd. How much does he love you? Jesus says the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Jesus said that, right? And then he did that. That's how much he cares about you. I mentioned uh, David's song from the Old Testament from Psalm 23, where he says, God is my shepherd. I, I want to have us look at that for a few minutes, read through that psalm together. It's been a song that has uh, encouraged so many people over the thousands of years that it's been written. We use it at funerals and weddings, uh, in, devotion, in devotion. Psalm 23. So if you open up your Bible to Psalms, and uh, my dad told me when I was a kid, like, if you open your Bible to the middle, you're going to be really close to the book of Psalm. Psalm 23. It's only six verses long, and yet many of us have heard it before because it's so useful in our lives. And I just love how David says, the Lord is my shepherd, and then he says, and this is what I mean when I say that. And he walks through all these great images of what does he mean when he says, God is my shepherd. So let me read it to you, and then we're going to look at some of these images together. Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Did you catch some of those images that he he hooks there about being a shepherd with sheep? There's a lot of good ones in there. First one I see is the pastures, the green pastures. We've already talked a little bit about the pastures the sheep have. It's not like here, it's not like the green backyard you might have at your house. But even in the desolate area that the sheep find themselves, David says, you make me lie down in green pastures. You give me a place of rest. I'm not a sheep that's running around frantically trying to find the next meal, making sure I've got what I need. I'm not anxious and out of control. I I trust you and I know you're with me and I lie down. I find my security in you. Good shepherd will lead you to what you need. Now, God doesn't promise us excess or riches. He doesn't say uh, you're not going to have hardship in life, but he says, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to provide what you need. And that might look like him giving you the ability to work so you can earn a living. It might look like putting you in a community where people can support you and lift you up even when life gets difficult. Again, the Bible doesn't promise us pain, a pain free life, but it speaks about a God who is with us no matter what we go through. We are not alone. We are in a place where we can lie down and have rest. And the Good Shepherd also leads the sheep to quiet waters, David says. Quiet waters. The most frequent cause of death for sheep in the wilderness in Israel isn't starvation or thirst or heat exhaustion. It's actually floods. (laughs) In a place like that, it's interesting to think about. The sheep of these floods come. There's limestone mountains around Israel and they don't absorb water. So when it rains, they run all the water down into the valleys and it just cuts these little valleys into the floor. and, And they become places where there's water left over after the flood goes through. There's little pools of water. But those aren't the The water that Psalm 23 is talking about. Because if the wild animals or the sheep go down into those ravines and find little puddles, they're in danger of the next flood that might come. And those floods just wash them away. So the good shepherd knows where to find peaceful, quiet water. Water that's fed by springs. Water that's safe. Where he can be with the sheep and take care of them. These quiet waters, David says, they refresh our soul. Strengthen our tired hearts and our exhausted minds. A good shepherd will never bring the sheep to a place where they might die of thirst. He's going to bring them where they will have what they need, a place of safety. And I don't know about you, but in the chaos of life, do you need some refreshment in your soul? Do you need to be restored? Do you need strengthening in your heart? And God's never going to force you to slow down. He's going to give you opportunity. You've got to sometimes create those moments. An hour here during the day, maybe a day during the week, maybe a week during the year where you say, I'm just going to make sure that I take this time away to sit with God, to allow him to restore my soul, to refresh me. I'm going to create moments, five minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at night. I'm going to create these times where I can sit by quiet waters with my God and he can restore my soul. And David says the right way to these places are are the paths of righteousness the right paths. We talked about sheep following each other and falling off of cliffs. So the good shepherd, the shepherd has to walk in front of the sheep and guide them down the steep areas, back and forth in straight lines, switchbacks, until he gets down to the places of safety. The Hebrew language uses the same word for straight as it does for righteousness. The right path is the righteous path, and it's the path that follows the shepherd. It's behind him, listening to his voice, following as he calls. John 10, Jesus said that the sheep know the voice of their shepherd and they follow it. They don't follow the voices of other shepherds or the hired hands. They know the voice of their shepherd and they follow him. It makes me ask myself this question. Have I spent enough time with the good shepherd to recognize his voice? Have I been listening? Because there's a lot of voices, right? We've got plenty of voices inside of us. We've got voices all around us and the world around. And then there's the good shepherd's voice. Are we listening to it enough that we can recognize it? When he calls out to us. Last week we talked about the sheep pen. Where the sheep are kept safe at night. I didn't mention this last week. But sometimes a few shepherds will come together with their flocks. And they'll use one pen. Because it's not easy to build those little sheep pens with the, the rock walls. And so they'll funnel all their sheep into the pen at night. And then in the morning they'll come one at a time. And the sheep will call out. The shepherd will call out to his sheep. And the sheep will respond only to his voice. And they'll come out. And he'll lead them out into wide open spaces. And Jesus says, the good shepherd calls out to his sheep, and he calls them by name. That matters, because we name things that we care about, right? You've got a kid in your life. You thought about the name you were going to give your child. You gave them a name on purpose. It means something to you. We name the things we care about. We name our pets. We don't just say dog, right? At least most of us don't. Hey, cat. Hey, dog. We give them names because we care about them. We give our friends nicknames. My kids, I have three kids. They each are driving different cars around as long as they can before they die. These, these cars die on them. Uh, but they've given these cars names. I don't know. Have you ever named a car? Uh, they really, they care about their, you want to hear the names my kids have given their cars. So they call their cars Phoebe, Crumpet, and Penelope. Not the names I would have given, right? But they mean something to them. They love their cars. So they give them names. Jesus knows your name. You're not just some homo sapien walking around the planet. The good shepherd knows you. He sees you. He watches you coming in and you're going out. He knows your name. He's speaking to you. He's with you. In the sunny days and in the storms of life, Psalm 23 talks about the dark valley or the valley, of the shadow of death. Other shepherds are not going to go with you through that valley. The other hired hands, they're not going to lead you through your savings account, your social media presence, your career life. Those are not going to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. But Jesus can lead you through because he's been through it before, right? Jesus knows the way through death and he can walk you through that valley perfectly and out into the other side where life is. That's why David says we can walk through the valley of death without fear because our shepherd is by our side. In fact, when it gets dark out, that's when the shepherds get the closest. During the bright afternoon, the shepherds can see the sheep and let them spread out a little bit. But as soon as it gets dark, a little bit like it is in this room this morning, as it gets dark, the shepherd moves closer so he can see the sheep He can be alongside them. In those dark seasons of our life, our good shepherd is closer than he's ever been before. I, I don't know how you feel in those moments, but regardless of those feelings, he is right there with you. And in those dark times, David says, the shepherd is carrying a rod and a staff. Rod and a staff. Now, the rod he uses to protect us. Think about like a baseball bat. That's kind of the idea of a rod. When a wild animal's coming, he uses it to fight that animal off. Or a thief comes to steal, uses that rod to protect us, to watch over us. But he's never going to use that rod on us. He's going to use the staff. The staff just to prod us along, to give us little nudges, to lead us. But there is, in the worst case scenario, there's a hook at the end of that staff, right? And if he's got to put that around us and get us back in line, there's times when the good shepherd will do that to keep us safe, to keep us on the right path. I don't know if you've ever had God put his little hook around your neck and kind of get you back in line. It's not comfortable, It's not a great feeling. But as you get a little further down the path, you look back and you see the path you were on, that where it would have taken you. you, kind of see the end point of that side trail, and you're like, I'm glad that I had to go through that time of discomfort to get back in line with my shepherd. It wouldn't have gone well if I'd gone my own way. The last thing from Psalm 23 I want to pull out there is from verse five. David writes, "You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows." When David writes about this table prepared for him, he's talking about the hospitality of those in the in the Jewish culture, those in the Middle East. It was legendary. Back when David was around, back when Jesus was around, and even today, the hospitality of the Middle East is legendary. This last week, I got to sit with a guy named Sam, kind of newer to our church. He's been here for a little while, but got to hear a little bit of his story. He went to Kansas State and got to know some guys that grew up in Saudi Arabia, and then he was able to go travel over and see them and visit them in Saudi Arabia. Sam, why don't you come on up here, Sam? I asked him if he would share a little bit about this experience because it's a great image to us of this hospitality of the Middle East. So Sam had some pictures. So let's put that first picture up.
1: Um, this is a great shot here. And um,
0: Sam, which one are you on the thread? Yeah, that's,
1: that's me on the right. Uh, okay. And then my buddy Jake on the left. And uh, our friend's father, uh, Abu Osama, in the middle. Uh, so I realized after first service that my friends have totally ruined my Expectations and standards for when my friend 's parents invite me over for a meal
0: yeah.
1: uh, I have a far higher standard now of this experience. because of this so yeah, when we yeah. first got to Saudi uh, my, our friends had a were really expecting uh, that our time with their father would be just it was a really significant moment, and they wanted to make their father proud uh, so they took us to get tailored for suits the moment that we landed in Saudi. Uh, and that is what we're wearing there, is the, it's called a thope. Uh That's the Saudi version of a suit. And uh, when we arrived, we pulled up to their father's compound in the middle of the desert. He owns a well, which is, means you are powerful and wealthy. Uh, and we were greeted with the biggest smile and hug um, and a lot of compliments about our beautiful uh, suits, and our friend's father insisted on getting a picture of us looking like his security guards because... <laughs> We looked like the Saudi CIA, so. Um, but they, he showed, it, gave us a tour of the compound and showed us all of their beautiful goats and livestock, asked us which one our favorite was, and in Saudi that means, what do you want for dinner? Uh, so we did pick out our favorite goat, and yeah. he was delicious.
0: <laughs> so you sat down for dinner. Next picture here, the next picture shows us a little bit of sitting down to dinner. Uh, so tell us about that, that meal, one of the meals, this meal.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, several meals that we had there uh, when we were the, the guest. Uh, they made it very clear that we were the guest of honor. Uh, there was a special place for us to sit at the on the floor um, around this giant platter of food that they brought and sat right in front of us. And then they would come and sit after we were... They're eating, Um, and even after the meal, uh, they waited until we were done to dismiss themselves. But uh, in this, you can only see about a quarter of that mountain of food in front of us, Uh, and it was a lesson that I learned in Saudi about hospitality: is you make more than enough food, you make about ten times as much food as you're going to need. we never ran out, but there was a, a gift on top of that pile of food, and that was the goat's skull. Um, and in Arab culture, there's a proverb that says, if you eat the tongue of a goat, you've gained the words of a prophet or, or of a poet. So uh, we got to try a goat's tongue, and, and, and uh, you want I'm more? no poet now, um, but yeah, it was a great experience.
0: <laughs> so and, uh, after the meal, so after being there, as you were leaving, he gave you a gift, and we got a picture of the gift here. Tell us about this gift.
1: So uh, our our friend's father Abu Osama gave us each uh, one of these boxes as we were leaving Saudi and uh, inside was this little vial of uh, what's called oud, it's an oil, it's a fragrance um, and it's made from the oil of a a rare tree found in in Saudi or in the Middle East and uh, so there's just a few drops of this oud in this vial and these prayer beads as well and our friends watched as we opened them before we left and said that is... The best gift that we've ever seen our father give somebody. So yeah, pretty amazing. Mission accomplished. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thanks, Sam. Let's say thanks to Sam for sharing his story with us this morning. Yeah. So when David says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you get the idea of what he's talking about. You, you give me a place of honor in front of my enemies. You place me in a place where I know. Uh, I'm an honored guest. And and before me on this table is an abundance, is, is more food than I could eat. My cup overflows. You bless me. You honor me in ways I don't deserve because you're a good shepherd. You're a shepherd that watches over my life. I want to finish up by looking at John 10. The verse 16 stood out to me. We read it earlier. Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock. And one shepherd. He says, There's other sheep I want to bring along. Guess what? He was talking about us, at least most of us, unless you're Jewish. He was talking about those who are not Jewish. Jesus said, There are other sheep that need to belong here with us. That this flock is not just the Jewish people any longer. He says, He's talking to these Jewish friends. He says, We got to bring others in. There's a whole world out there. And he goes back, he's, he's taking them back to Abraham. When God said to Abraham, I want to bless the world through you. You are going to be a blessing. And Jesus says, Abraham's descendant is the one who brings that blessing into our world. And Jesus says, I want to bring all those together. There's going to be one pen, one shepherd, one flock. So we we have this good shepherd that loves us and takes care of us and walks alongside us. And also a good shepherd that wants us to join with him, inviting others into the flock that all are welcomed. I don't, I don't care how far off trail you got as a sheep. I don't care how lost you've been, the things you've gone through. The good shepherd says you belong here. I'm your good shepherd. I want you to be part of what I'm doing in the world. The one and only good shepherd invites you to trust him and follow him today. What a gift. What a grace. We don't deserve it, but that's our Father God. Let's say thank you to him together. Let's talk to God. Will you bow your heads with me? And let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him that we might know what it means, what it looks like when you have flesh on, how you treat people, how you speak, the kinds of things that you do, Father God. You reveal that through your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth and being our good shepherd, laying down your life that we might have life and life everlasting. Thank you for guiding us through life, for coming close when we're in dark seasons, for carrying us, providing for us, taking care of us, knowing our names, and doing more abundant than we could ever imagine. Father, your grace, it's uh, more than we deserve. It feels almost scandalous, the kind of ways that you love us, Thank you, Father. We pray that you would help us follow closely after you. Help us to listen to your voice, to read your words. Spirit of God, that you might speak to our hearts and guide us every day. And Lord, might we have eyes that see all the lost sheep around us, all those that you love so dearly and are inviting in to be part of your community, part of your kingdom. Might we see them and love them And welcome them. Jesus, help us. Thank you for your grace. It's in your name we pray. Amen.